Double wing damage. Uh, say again? I said, look out, Josh. Bogey on your six. Woohoo! Thanks, Emily. Watch your three o'clock for a small enemy formation. Let's combine our firepower for our patented... Reign of Terror! Woohoo! Yeah! Man, we are in the groove! Boy, I'll say. And check it out. We've almost got the high score? The high what? The high score. See those numbers at the top of the screen that never change? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Is that the name of this level or something? No, no. Once we beat a few more enemies, it will start changing because it will be our score. Well, really? Yeah. Ready? Just a few more and... Ta-da! Whoa! Look at those numbers roll! This is amazing! (laughs) We're amazing. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the VGM Star Fox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week, we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. And sometimes, I yell too loud and cause great distortion on my vocals. It was great. It was so natural. I was, yeah, I was a little upset that the uh, script called for me to say woo instead of woo-hoo. Because woo-hoo, you could kind of like lay back on it a little bit, you know? Oh, didn't you write this script? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, you know, I wasn't considering <laughs> all the angles there. You didn't get to uh, say your usual woo-hoo. I know, exactly. Oh. Well, I liked it. All right, great. All right. And what I also like is moving into our first patron recommendation. This is from Chris Murray, a.k.a. Just a Punk, from Streets of Rage 2, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. The track is Slow Moon, and this is for the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive. Just a punk writes, Here is a shot of sugar to the system with some retro gold. This track takes me immediately back to playing Streets of Rage with my friends and trying desperately to beat all three in one sitting without one of us losing too many lives and using all of our continues, and constantly arguing about who got to be skate. I loved everything about the Streets of Rage series, including the ability to use each other in co-op attacks if you know what you're doing. 
While Streets of Rage 2 has some mechanics which make the game a bit easy to cheese your way through it, for example, timing your punches properly will mean you can defeat literally anyone with an endless string of hits except a few bosses, it was always my favorite of the series and one of my favorite games on the system. By the way, do other people say cheese for cheap moves like that? Streets of Rage 2 was one of the first games which actually caught my attention with the music, and is still one of the only games where I ever spent any time in the menu exploring the sound test option. I now own this OST on vinyl, which my wife thinks is kind of hilarious, and think it's held up really well after all these years. I wanted to pick a track that, to me, captured the beauty of these games. This track plays far enough into the game where you should be committed now. Streets of Rage and other brawlers are a great option to sit quickly and play when you've got some time to kill, but many of them do take some commitment to see them through to the end, especially on harder difficulties. With Streets of Rage, you are rewarded for your patience with some truly great music, and Slow Moon is no exception. Hope you all enjoy it too. Now, I'm pretty sure we just heard this song on our last podcast, which was the thesis defense of Bruce Irons of the Mad Gear, who put together K-Tough for us. It's good to hear it again. Amazing. Yes. I can't remember if this is specifically on it, but I wouldn't doubt it. K-Tough. Yeah, I was actually listening to his mix while playing Go Right and Fight, which kind of reminds me of Streets of Rage a little bit. Go Right and Fight is the uh, video game that the Mad Gear put together to kind of capitalize on their mythology. Um, It's so great. It's very funny. They have a manual uh that is done in the style of NES manuals. So it has little black and white ink drawings of all the characters and enemies. So great. Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's really funny. It's really funny. Streets of Rage 2 is not that easy, is it? I have never played a Streets of Rage game. Can you believe that? Oh, you poor thing. I know. I never owned one and my friends never owned one. It's definitely, this is something that's been on my list for years Mm. to get. Okay. Because they are they are so keyglyph in every way. Yeah, the music especially, right? Mm-hmm. I used to totally call, uh, by the way, to, in response to this um, testimonial, we used to totally call things cheesing or being cheesy. We I... have on this podcast, in fact. Oh, really? Yeah, at least once you asked me if I cheesed something and I said, I didn't cheat. And you were like, no, cheesing. And we had an argument over whether or not cheesing was cheating. But really, it's just a, a an established part of running guns and beat-em-ups. I wasn't 100% sure, uh, you know, if it was a bicoastal term or if it crept in, you know, to the uh, to the red states or anything like that. The word it's cheese. an interesting question. But, where where um, does it even come from? Do we know? I don't know. I, I always thought I made it up, you know, but... <laughs> I remember one time, uh, the first time, no, not the first time I heard it, but one time uh, that I heard it that really made an impression on me was uh, a Street Fighter II machine at a liquor store by my house. And there was this guy um, who was playing the game and then somebody came up to him and beat him and he was like, Oh, Guile, the Master Cheeser, the Master Cheeser, or something like that. I guess Guile was the cheesiest character 
you could be uh, in uh, uh-huh. Street Fighter 2. Master Cheezer. Because, um... Hey, any patrons in the market for a nickname? I think it's... Has, this one could be yours. Yeah, I think it has to do with the, uh, the razor kick. I think it has to do with a combination of the razor kick, the double lower kick, the suplex, and the sonic boom. Oh, and the, uh, the uppercut, the quick uppercut he does. Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, he has an insane defense if you time all that well. Well, I love the note in this testimonial about the sound test because that's one of my favorite parts of video games. I love that that concept exists, that somebody decided to allow you to access all of the music for a game in the menu, because why not? So I think that's cool that Just a Punk was exploring that with Streets of Rage 2 and that this OST has kind of followed him throughout his entire life. It's one of the first games he noticed the music in. He listened to the sound test, and now he's got it on vinyl. You know what? I want to take back my story a little bit. I think I'm remembering the details of it a little bit better right now. And it almost doesn't matter, but it kind of does matter. Mm -hmm. What happened was the guy was watching somebody else play the computer, and then the computer was Guile, and the computer beat him. And so when he uh, said, oh, Guile's a master cheeser, he was actually kind of commiserating with that guy. I see, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because so often the AI opponents won't have cooldown times or they'll be able to do a move without winding up. You know, mm. they cut some corners to make it more difficult. That's also an interesting concept, too, is how do you create difficulty with algorithms if that makes any you know sense, because t- you can't... I totally thought that was like a complicated co- uh, thing to do, you know, because when you fight, um, you know, there's like levels one through seven or something, I think, in the original Street Fighter 2 game. And when you fight them, they almost feels like they have different personalities or like um, they react uh, to situations differently. So I... I used to think like, man, that must be hard to program that because, you know, for example, M. Bison, you have to tell M. Bison if Ryu does this on this level, then you do that or whatever, you know, and then, but I don't really know if it's like that because I was explaining that problem to my friend who ended up working in computer programming and he was saying that that part is so easy for some reason. Interesting. Like, Yeah, I'm I'm thinking more like... You know, if you're playing a, a card game or something against a computer or something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, well, any kind of game. For a non-human opponent to be difficult, they're going to have to cheat sometimes. It's just, I mean, they're going to by nature the fact that they're also part of the programming. But no, they don't have to cheat. They just have to use maximum efficiency. They don't have to cheat. But that is one of the ways that you can make a game challenging for a human player is to give the computer opponent abilities that a human would not be able to pull off. You mean like video poker or something? Well, I mean anything. I mean, think about bases loaded and the oh. the outfielder is always going to catch that ball. But I think the, the thing about bases loaded is you're supposed to get that good as the other player by... It almost seems impossible, but you're supposed to be able to do that. Like, if you started running 
in exactly the correct direction. As soon as you saw the ball get hit, then you could get to the ball, right? But the outfielder's already standing in exactly the spot where they're going to catch that ball. Mm. That is not possible because as a human player, you are only seeing the window of the screen. Mm. The computer is just programmed oh, to catch the ball. But you can it's see, just going to happen. But you can also see the small window, the smaller window that shows everybody, right? Not, uh, well, not exactly where the ball is going, though. Not exactly, but some estimate. Yeah, you're probably Let me right. give an example that right illustrates that, this, though. though. Okay. Let me give an example that illustrates this. With Pong, programming, and I just read about this in a book, programming the AI opponent in Pong to be believable and good, but not impossible to beat, because mm. if you just programmed it, it would be impossible to beat. They right. actually, they did something where they, like, added in a little extra delay when a ball bounced off a wall or something like that so that the the they actually programmed the computer paddle to be slightly off so that you would be able to get past it and have it feel natural i don't have all the details but you have to think about stuff like that when you're programming but, a computer game but you're saying pong oh yeah because pong was on that analog little flipper huh so you could go literally all the way across the screen if you wanted to, if you needed to, right? That's interesting, just, though. That's interesting. I just mean that if the if the opponent paddle, I'm saying paddle for the little thing that is on the screen that the ball is going to bounce off. It of. is a paddle. Yeah. It's a virtual. So, that game used to. Its first name was a uh, paddle. Pad. Okay, so that Pong if the computer is tracking, if the computer is tracking the ball perfectly, it will yeah. always block it. Right. It knows what its own programming is doing, so they actually had to. But that means it's that means there's no such thing as uh, an impossible shot, I guess. In Pong, there's. You know what I'm saying? Because no, like I don't. it should be, you would think that it was possible to hit a shot back in such a way that like if even if the paddle was going at maximum speed, it couldn't reach it. You know what I mean? But I don't think that's right. true for Pong because you could just like spin that thing and s send it all the way to the bottom almost instantaneously. But if it was, uh, you know, uh, if it was a SNES controller instead of that paddle, it might be a little different. I'm not sure what you mean. Like, but the point being <laughs> that all these things have to be taken into account when you're programming a perfect opponent. Yeah. To make it challenging to a human being, but not impossible. I'm going to be very interested to listen to that conversation played back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember what point I was making in there. I think you were trying to say that you want to listen to this next track. I think you're right. Recommended by Octorox. This game is Rivals of Ether, the track Earth and Division. The rock wall composed by flashy goodness this was released on the pc and the xbox one let's take a listen
You've featured Flashy Goodness's work on this show before, and I wanted to highlight another great track from this indie composer. This track has a very short loop, that's all it needs to pump me up. A good thing too, because Rivals of Ether is a Super Smash Brothers-like fighting game. Guess you gotta be pumped up for those. I don't know. I don't know. Could you imagine like, not being pumped up during a fighting game? Just like, nah. I think it's better not to get pumped up. You think so? Yeah, if you get too pumped up, then you start, like, uh, double thinking things, you know? Maybe. I scream and carry on during games like this. Mm. My friends and I would be very intense on our Smash Brothers. Uh, but that game is also so funny, too. So everybody kind of you don't you're not just you're not screaming because you're fighting each other you're screaming because somebody just got you know blown off the plane in a really funny way yeah, that nobody yeah. was expecting and everyone just goes oh good times I uh lately I've been playing Street wait what's it called Puzzle Fighter Puzzle Fighter just came out on, like, uh, iOS and, like, mobile devices. Mm-hmm. And I have not stopped playing that game since it came out. And I beat, and I played Rob from uh, Rhythm and Pixels. Mm-hmm. And he beat me very bad, like, five times. Puzzle Fighter is the Street Fighter columns-looking thing? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. I have watched gameplay of that. I watched gameplay of that many years ago, and I could not understand the rules of the game. Oh, they're very simple. It's like the most simple rules, like sumo. <laughs> okay. Like sumo is the purest sport because of its simple rules. But this, yeah, in this game, you just try to put like colors together. They build bigger gems, and then you crash those gems with a gem crasher thing, uh, which is another thing that drops. And then the I bigger. I think that was the part I didn't get. Was what do you do with these big? How do you get rid of the big ones? Oh, there's just a little ball. You know, that can get rid of them. Oh, okay. Uh, and it gets rid of the different colors. But I think how pumped up I was to play Rob actually hurt me in that situation. Your I performance, was... but not your enjoyment. Right. Just my yeah. performance. Well, no, and physically, it physically hurt me. <laughs> it punched you? Yeah. In the face? Mm. It punched me in the face so hard, I only felt it in my heart. No bruise. That's rough, The dude. bruise went so deep. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm ready for Rob again. I think I've been I've been practicing. Uh, I had a really good night the other day. Um, you know, playing against strangers. It's very intensely satisfying. And I've been playing the freemium style, so I haven't powered my characters up really as, as much as I could if I spent a couple dollars on it. Mm-hmm. But um But that's your style. You'll be able to say totally that you're the style. you're the puzzle fighter champion and you never spent a buck on it. I'm the poor man's champion. <laughs> Same the... with Pokemon Go. The poor man's Exactly, champ. yeah, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. Poor man's champion. Yeah. That's something. That's an album name for you or something. Poor man's champion. Um Yeah, I beat people with stronger uh more power ups than me, apparently, according to uh, you know, the display. I wish I didn't remind myself that, that that 
game existed right now because now I wish I was playing it. It's so intensely satisfying. And I think it'd be really satisfying to play this game along with this track too. Yeah, this is a great track. It feels good. It feels like you're yeah, crashing gems. Yeah. It is a short loop. It doesn't, you know what? It doesn't sound like a modern in like a modern video game music. Kind of it reminds me of something very specific and I can't there's one part the flute part reminds me of something very specific and I can't think of what it is. It's making me a little bit crazy. There's more echo on like the uh, vocal chanting, but it almost sounds like a Super NES song. That's interesting because to me this this definitely does sound modern. It's got a retro feel mm. in its ear feel, but to me this feels more modern styled. Interesting, interesting. I don't know. I don't know why we uh, have so many disagreements about... Ear feel? No, I don't have a disagreement about the ear feel. I'm trying to think of what this this thing reminds me of. What, 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 what disagreement? I'm just kidding. I'm just... I just started, like, randomly saying stuff because when I looked over at you, you were closing your eyes in concentration. Oh, and yeah. And so I'm like, ah, time to fill time. I don't <laughs> really funny. have anything to say. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, uh, someone on our, our blog recently. I think it was on the blog. Recently pointed out what they considered the segue of the year. <laughs> which was one of us saying, speaking of tracks we play on the show, here's another track we're going to play on the show. It's true. That was our finest moment. Yeah. We reached at the into the bottom of the barrel and found <laughs> a diamond. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, can I reach into the barrel and pull out the next track? Let's do it. All right. Coming not from the bottom, but perhaps mid-barrel... We have a suggestion from Wicked Sephiroth. Wicked Sephiroth! <laughs> I can't even think about that without laughing. Uh, this is from Front Mission 3. The track is Rest 2. The composers are Koji, Hayama, Hayato, Matsuo, and Shigeki. And this is for the PlayStation. Let's have a listen.
Sephiroth says, This is a delightful tidbit I found while thinking about the bar track from Front Mission that the show opens with. Playing through Front Mission 3, you'll hear a great many dark and gritty tracks, but an occasional little tidbit of lighthearted fun pierces the murkiness and brightens the experience. Hey, it's great to have the band uh, come back in the middle of our show, play us a little jam, show us their other instrument skills. Yeah, exactly. uh, The upright bass player now is playing a keytar. Mm-hmm. Um, our piano player has taken up the flute. The drummer's on claps. Yeah. Oh, I guess there's a there's a bass drum in there as well. Are there other percussion? Yeah, I, I it's, a, even... it's a kit. I think it's a kit, but the yeah. snare does sound a little clappier for sure. Yeah, they kind of, I feel like they, they left the jazz ambiance and they went and got changed and they came back in like... 80s gear and floral prints mm. like island prints they're all wearing hawaiian shirts now you know what i think you just invented the mad gears rivals <laughs> with your <laughs> imagination <laughs> hawaiian shirts and uh 80s gear yeah yeah that's funny so and while we were listening Darryl to this probably probably knows them yes that's true they're on the same label yeah probably um while we were listening to this track, I was like, what does this remind me of? This sounds almost exactly like some other video game song. And I figured it out. It's the opening title music to Sonic 3, I think. It's either Sonic 3 or Sonic and Knuckles, but I think it's Sonic mm. 3. But you know what I'm talking about? It goes... Um, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's, that's true. So that's pretty interesting. I think to me. you're right about that, yeah. Well, this is a nice little little whimsical, perhaps slightly emotional track. Mm. I'm feeling very emotional today. I almost led the show with a disclaimer that I didn't really know like what was in store for us because I'm just a a churning pot of emotions right now, but there's a lot going on in Keyglyph land and one of the things I've been doing recently is going through basically all of my earthly possessions and donating them or recycling them, as the case may be. So I've been kind of going on this very intense nostalgia trip as I've been sorting through old letters that people have given me and yearbooks and stuffed animals and coloring books that I've had since I was four. That makes it sound like I have a lot of stuff. I don't really. I just held on to a lot of little pieces. But now I am releasing it into the the island atmosphere and letting it go. Wow, yeah. Yeah, you probably had to think about all the 30 years you were alive. Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. I have one box of weird stuff that... I don't know how I get away with keeping it, but it's outside. And every time I look inside to throw stuff away, I'm like, what is my life? (laughs) Please keep going. Explain more. Oh, it's just like, especially since I like to draw, I think at least I used to draw a lot more. Uh, As a teacher, I haven't gotten a chance to draw, but as an employee and a student, I was a big time doodler and I would always 
develop some emotional relationship to my doodles, no matter how bad they are, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. so I just have notebooks full of, uh, like facts and weird little men and women and animals that are a part of me. You know what I mean? I do. It's just hard to look at them. I used to draw a lot too, and that's actually some of the stuff I'm not getting rid of. Mm -hmm. The drawings shall stay, but you know, ripping pages out of journals that I half filled, um, just getting rid of a lot of stuff. And it's interesting too, because I, I'm kind of drawn to having objects that remind me of things. And I am somewhat concerned about regretting getting rid of things sometimes. And that's why I've held on to these like weird little bits and pieces of my, my 30 years, as mm. you put it. Um, but it's interesting. I was having a conversation with, uh, with patron JT the other day about getting rid of all this stuff and about how um, accepting that I might regret things, accepting that there may be a day when I think, man, I really wish I'd kept that, but that that is actually an okay emotion to have. Yeah. That it's not about, oh, I wish I could go back and undo that, but like... It's more just a, an acute missing of the object. And he said something that I thought was like one of the wisest things I've ever heard. And so I just wanted to repeat it on the show. He said, if you regret it, you remember it. Mm -hmm. And that's what really mattered in keeping it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? I was just about to tell a story that what he was saying brought up, actually. Oh, please, go the... ahead. Um, I have a friend, Ron. I'm going to start putting out a podcast I've been doing with him, and I think, in the middle of this month. Um, but we're like music buddies, you know? And he's in a version of my band, although he didn't record with us on the record that people may have heard. But his name's Ron. Uh, anyways, um, this is, can I tell a, a long story? Sure. Okay, so one day I went into a record store and I tried to help the woman there hook up some speakers because the music wasn't coming out very well. It was a weird thing where it was just somebody being very open and me just being receptive to that, you know? And then um, I tried and it didn't really work. I couldn't get anything sounding better. I think all the speakers that were like laying around were broken. But she let me have this record that I was like fawning over, which is called um, The Beach Boys Shutdown Volume 2. And I think a lot of people think that this particular record is like whatever, because um, it's called Volume 2, so it sounds like it's a compilation. But actually what happened there is that The Beach Boys had one song on Shutdown Volume 1, which was produced by some like some car company or something like that but then they made shutdown volume 2 all on their own as a studio album okay and it includes what i consider to be their greatest jump in aesthetic beauty which is the which is don't worry baby which comes out in 1964 more so so much more beautiful than anything else you hear that year from my money you know what i mean uh-huh and uh, I listened to it on my record player, and it was the most beautiful thing I ever heard. And uh, I 
and then Ron's birthday was coming up, and I'm like, you know what? I should give him something that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so I actually gave him that record, and he's like, later on, he was like, yeah, but it's just a compilation. I'm like, no, it's not a compilation. Look, this is the moment where they jumped into the most beautiful sounds that they ever made, you know, from from a bunch of little surf songs to just gorgeous symphon symphonies to God or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyways, he he may not appreciate it that much, but because I gave it to him, I just think so fondly back to that moment where I finally put it on my record player and I just felt the beauty of those harmonies in my room. Like that moment now is cemented for me, you know. Right, so, right. In a weird way, I made that moment more valuable. And that's so interesting, too, because, you know, kind of similarly, I'm going through all these birthday cards people have given me and notes that I passed back and forth with friends in high school and middle school and things like that. And they're making me feel all these emotions, but I wasn't looking through them ever. The only time I looked through them to re-experience them was now when I was getting rid of them or the last time I went through everything to sort of pare stuff down. So it's almost like in getting rid of them, I relived them more than I ever would have had they just stayed in that box. And now I'm going to remember those letters because of this very powerful night I had going through them and Mm -hmm. then recycling them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's good. So it's interesting how the loss can actually be more of a game. Yeah. Because it becomes more poignant in your head. That's super Buddha, dude. (laughs) I'm going to ask you some questions about that over this next track. What do you say? I say that's great. All right. This next track was recommended by The Messenger. The game is Tetris and Dr. Mario. This track is Mixed Match Music, composed by Yumiko Kanki, Kazumi Totaka, and Hirokazu Tanaka for the SNES. Let's take a listen. Uh, Leaves us no message. The messenger 
This is just an empty envelope. Did you mean to put something in in here? <laughs> yeah, the presence of an envelope implies that perhaps there was supposed to be something inside. Just dust. Yeah, just playing with us. <coughs> you know what? I think there might have been a little ninja magic in that dust. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely a, a lot of magic in this track. I've just heard this track somewhere. I'm not sure where. It was either I was listening to Legacy Music Hour mixes or, uh, uh, or it was on some other show. Maybe it was on um, uh, The Diet Presents or something like that. I don't know. Mm. I just heard this song recently. I don't know why. Dun, dun, dun. Anyways, I think it's a great track. It is a great track. It's like a super great track. It's like it very goes in very weird. unexpected places. Yeah. Yes, it's very weird and very catchy at the same time. Yes, I love it. Oh yeah, so I was just gonna ask you. Speaking of weird things that go in strange places that you like, mm-hmm. uh, is there any particular letter or note that? is especially painful to throw away and what was it about especially painful to throw away something something like that just give us a can you give us an example an example of something that was difficult to throw away that just created like a you know an emotional moment that is a part of this whole experience so hmm I'm trying to think of it was so much it, there was so much going on while I was going through all this stuff so I'm trying to think of like a good a good thoughtful example mm. um, well this is good I got rid of mm. um, some editions of the school newspaper that I had kept for a very long time from high school it had the senior superlatives in it, and there was an April Fool's edition that was really funny. And that was kind of, those those made me sad to get rid of. But just because it's, not only was it like a, it sort of, I feel like the newspaper served a double function because it was not only things that my friends had created, but it was like the newspaper itself was an encapsulation of how normal that all used to be, I guess. That oh. all of these people were in the same place at the same time, having all these same experiences. Mm. Um, so that was something. There were other things that weren't painful, but were poignant. There was a, a letter that a good friend I'd had wrote to me right before he left to go home to Korea. And so I read that one more time. There was a scrapbook that a friend had made for me, uh, one of my best friends growing up. Wait, you threw away this letter that your friend wrote you before moving to Korea? I am being ruthless. I'm getting rid of, like, everything. Okay. Because it's, you know, it's all all in a a tote that I don't look through. I got rid of my yearbooks as well, because I just never really looked through those. Because... I mean, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to move, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've decided that moving is so important that I have to let go of these things that I've been holding on to for so long. The coloring books was a weird one. That was actually kind of sad. I had a bunch of Ninja Turtle coloring books 
that I've had since I was, you know, four. And, uh, I got rid of those. However, I will say this, as I went through things, I did actually save little choice pieces that I'll be incorporating into little packages for some of our Patreon supporters. And that's the best way to keep your memories. <laughs> to give them away. Give them as away. As gifts. Exactly. Make it into a, a painful moment. No, I think it'll be fun. But it's, um, but I don't know. I mean, the experience has been very good and I feel like I've learned a lot from it. And uh, it's also tying into my playing of Mass Effect Andromeda because obviously if you are uh, a character that's traveling to an entirely new galaxy, you can't bring a lot of stuff with you. So the parallel of that story to my trying to move and getting rid of almost everything is pretty poignant to me. Hmm. Well, yeah. And, uh, oh, but here's another thing that's interesting. The stuff that I cannot get rid of. Oh, I know what the most painful thing is going to be, actually. I I may be getting rid of my stereo that we've had since before I was born. That I will cry about later. Mm. It's a, you know, an old, like, 1960s stereo with a turntable and all that. But anyway, um... Maybe you can try to sell it to somebody you know or, you know, just somebody you like. You know, yeah, see, I... That's why uh, people, when they sell their houses, sometimes they don't sell them to the highest bidder. Right. Yes. Some kind of emotional connection. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that would be nice, but I even don't want to do that. I'm really trying to pull out all of the, all of those little caveats that help you not let go. You know what? Okay. Maybe, Emily, but I'll just say this. I may not have room for that device that you're talking about. Uh, in my house, but if you bring it to California, I'll try to stuff it away in one of my offices. Because <laughs> that sounds super cool, actually. It's great. It's it's. I do love that stereo. So, but you know, it'll be a but, feature of somebody's life and maybe mine. That would be nice to think of that somebody would love it as much as I have. I mean, someone in my family might take it back too. There you go. But you know, but I am trying to be kind of kind of ruthless, but. Just a just an interesting little anecdote to tie this into video games. Video games are like the one thing, one of the one of the only things that I cannot get rid of and I think I was thinking about it. I was thinking it's because they are not so much an object as an experience. I think books are the same way too. Oh. I would uh, I would keep every book if libraries didn't exist. Like if I couldn't access them some other way because it's like you go through a whole journey with a book and you go through a journey with a video game and that's different than a piece of furniture or you know what I mean? Mm. So it's just interesting to think about. Mm. It's one physical object that encapsulates so much more. That's true, but what if they did tie physical objects to beating the game like... Uh... Like, as soon as you beat a game, like, a little message was sent to the corporation and they would send you, like, a little lapel or something like that. Do you think you'd be able to throw away that lapel? I guess it depends. It's funny that you say that because I actually got a congratulatory email from PlayStation when I beat Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, cool. (laughs) I was like, what? I wasn't expecting that at all. So that's funny that you say that. But would I be able to throw away the collective pin? In this current mindset, maybe. I think it would depend on the game. I mean, you might have a hundred of them by now, you know. Right. But these are all... These are all... I'd be interested to hear what uh, 
things the patrons have given away that have been painful or that they had to leave behind oh, and yeah. do you do you remember it more strongly or more fondly because you no longer have it hey write in the comment section most painful thing you threw away <laughs> maybe that's like a maybe everybody has that you know mm -hmm. at least the one thing they gave away that they were that was the hard hardest one they did and they probably yeah. remember it you know but yeah. you only get like th four or five of those slots you know which means everything from six through a thousand you literally will forget right exactly I think five is generous. I can't think of anything besides that Beach Boys record right now. And that I didn't was that even painful? throw it away. I'd have to think about what my most what my most painful is. I know it's there, but I can't remember it right now. Mm. It Blocking it out. Yeah. Too many emotions. Alright. Well while we think about all these deep thoughts. How about we move on to the next track? How about it? This one is from, it comes to us from Retro Nick. The game is Grandia 2. The track is Commercial City of Liliguay, Pretense of Prosperity, also known as the Liliguay City theme, composed by Noriyuki Iwadare, Iwadare for the PlayStation 2. Here we go. Nick says, This track sounds so much like a promo video intro for something you just purchased in the 80s and it came with a VHS tape. We've had lots of great features to show you, so come on, let's begin. Love it. Yeah. This actually, this reminds me of um, the Jack Nicholas golf track that we played a couple episodes ago. Yep. Uh, it's very, you know, TV-ish. This one's even more hyped up, I think, than that uh, Jack Nicholas golf. It is. Um, Interesting note about that golf track that yeah. we played. 
So as we know, Electric Boogaloo is in the press room doing research for us. And one of the things he discovered is that that Jack Nicklaus track was actually stock music mm-hmm. for TV. Mm-hmm. It wasn't composed for that game. So there you go. When, when I said it sounded heartfelt but corporate, mm-hmm. I was right on the money. Yeah. We were both on the money, I guess. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't know where that song could have possibly come from. Yeah, because uh, you were like, this does not sound like a golf track. I mean, it, it just... It just sounded so TV. It had some. Yeah. I like how they chose it as a golf track because I think it it represents some of the most important elements of a golf track, as this one almost does too in some parts. Mm-hmm. I could see this as like a course overview music or something like that. It sounds so much like it's Wario little, Land. Shake it. It's a little celebratory though. But anyways, this one composed by a real Japanese person. Noriyuki Iwadare for a real video game. So, yep. uh, Noriyuki Iwadare maybe was watching American television <laughs> in the 80s. I don't know. Watching the home shopping network. Yeah. And like, man, these are some solid jams right here. Oh, man, I don't know. You think the home shopping network had some jams like that? I don't know if there was any music on it, honestly. Could be. Oh, maybe, what do you think about that as like an analog for how you feel about throwing some of your uh, your things away? To be like a composer and then have to just give them away. You know what I mean? Without your name on them. To stock music. Oh, your, your, yeah. It's like maybe somebody will like it. Somebody, maybe nobody will buy it. You know. Maybe somebody will use it. Yeah. That's very interesting. There is a guy who uh, composes stock music online, and I've actually used some for some videos that I've done. Mm-hmm. And I've he doesn't charge you, but you can donate, so I donated to him once or twice. Yeah. And um, what I do is every time I use his music, I send him the thing that I used it in. And he loves that. Mm. Because wouldn't you love to see what your, your babies have grown up to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm like, all right, this is very weird. This is a video about Pokemon, but bear with me. <laughs> or here's a video about robots, but I used your music and I think it's great. Mm. I did remember what the thing I regret the most is in terms of oh, wow. getting rid of. Are you going to talk about but, it over this track? Yeah, because it ties into the testimonial okay. that Retro Nick wrote. It, this is stupid that this is the thing that I, that I miss the most. But it was something that I didn't have to get rid of that I chose to get rid of. Um, and I'm thinking about it because he's talking about VHS tapes. And I may have mentioned this on the show before, but when I was little, I sometimes would actually set up our VHS camcorder to film myself playing video games. So just filming the TV. And I recorded my run through of The Lion King for the Sega Genesis because I like was so good at that game because I just played it endlessly and I thought I thought that what I could achieve in it was I don't know I just thought it looked cool enough to record I guess and I threw that tape out without even re-watching it and I regret not being able to look back and see if I was actually any good or or how I played that game so that I actually do regret I sort don't of. know that's weird I wouldn't redo it I wouldn't redo it I but. see I see 
Well, there are other things that I've had to get rid of because they were broken. But I guess that's one not of a, That's not a sentimental thing. That's like a... You just wish that you had done some research and you didn't No, do. it is sentimental. I guess... Because I would get to see my living room again. Oh, I would get I see, to yeah. see how much I loved that game and myself playing it. It's not just about, oh, I wish I could oh, I look thought it was back just at the game tapes. footage. It is game footage, I but there would, like, there would be more to it. You just want to race yourself as a kid. Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, I wish I no. could keep that tape so I could play against myself as a kid no. and see if I could beat no. her. Oh, okay. No, I want to see what she was like. I think that that's interesting that she even thought that that was a cool thing to do mm. to film a, a TV. No, there's more to it. It sounds... Maybe it sounds that way, but it's it's not about just looking back and being like, you know, I want to measure how good I was because I want to rebeat it. No. My thing is that I usually don't get rid of stuff until they are broken. So those things have to go. And those are sad, but for a different reason. Well... Yeah, I think that I do tend to be a little bit um, like rough with some of my stuff. Some of my stuff wears out quick, but for me, that's a good thing because it's just like I can't have a bunch of stuff, you know. I don't rent storage space for things that I love, you know. Right. Um, uh, anything else? Well, I was just thinking about this track as like the uh maybe the music that plays while you're watching a tape of yourself making a tape as a kid <laughs> or something like uh-huh. that yeah i don't know why but i'm okay with that i would choose this, this... as, a, as a soundtrack to that this sounds like childhood montage music yeah like you know here i am Sitting on the couch with a pillow on my lap, eating cereal, eating some Lucky Charms. Here I am walking downtown with my mom. Here I am in the car, playing a Game Boy. Here I am at the playground with my friends. Yeah. I don't... One thing about this track is it's like so jazzy and happy that it seems like people shouldn't be walking at a normal pace to this song, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, yeah. if this music was playing all over the world all the time, everybody would just be, like, uh, freestyle dancing instead of walking, you know what I mean? That would be a great world to live in. That's a good idea, actually. Can we start yeah, that Yeah, this world? is. This is that scene in a movie. You, you know those scenes in movies or TV shows where somebody's, like, walking down the street and everybody's, like, saying hi and skateboarding oh, by yeah, yeah. and high-fiving them and stuff? And that's what this is. Oh, yeah. By the way, before we move on to the next track, I just wanted to say it's possible that the reason that I knew the Mixed Match Music one and I was making a big deal out of having heard it recently was the fact that I was listening to this episode's track list for an extra week. Because we didn't record last week, and I just had the music, so I was just That's right, yeah. jamming on it. So could be that, could have been that, and I just really liked, really liked it. When you move to LA, let's just start a cult of people who only dance walk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Maybe through the city, and we'll start in downtown LA. 
Well, that's definitely something we could do is we could just just uh, travel together to an assigned location. Yeah. You know, get out of the car and then just start dance walking everywhere and see how many people join in. Yeah, sometimes together, but sometimes we'll take a different route and hope that somebody sees both of us, you know, in their route and they'll be like, oh, is that a thing now? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then what would be great is if we got a whole bunch of people that then started following us individually and we came together in some kind of center. Uh huh. And then we had all these people. Yeah. We're going to be the next viral YouTube sensation. And the good thing- And we'll be doing it to video game music. Yeah. And the good thing will be that um, we'll actually have to go faster than everybody else so they see that it's also efficient. Because capitalism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have fun, but also get where you need to go faster. Yeah. Put this spring in your step. And speaking of putting a spring in your step, I think this next track might have a little a little bounce to it it's the game is a uh, flappy golf the track grassy land composed by an unknown person who is working for noodle cake studios i think this is a mobile game and it's recommended by me and utopian emo together oh kind of yeah let's take a dance list. walking together yeah arm in arm yeah Let's take a listen. Yeah, like I said, more of a bounce than a spring. Yeah. This is a saunter. You gotta do a low dip, though, on your saunter. On a starry night, yeah. For some reason, I had this image of the two of you in the top of a double-decker bus going through a city at night for some reason. Just taking in all the scenery. Wait, who's on top? Both of you. Oh, okay. I thought I was Just, done with uh, video with uh, golf music, but then, very kindly and thoughtfully, Utopia Nemo gave me a lifeline on this genre, sending me a few tracks for me to listen to um, from Flappy. Well, this is a whole soundtrack I haven't heard, Flappy Golf, um, and also something else which you may hear from in the future. So, thanks, Utopia Nemo. Mm. Appreciate it. Not it's ready. a good little slow jam. Not ready to put those clubs back in the garage. Not just yet. What? Flappy golf? Like, what is this? I think it looks like Flappy Bird. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think you might be a little golf ball with wings or something. What a 
I'm trying to reconcile that with this track in my mind. Oh, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know really about this game. It's such a jam. I do want to say one last thing about getting rid of stuff. Oh, okay. Which is that... I'd forgotten... I was thinking about that night when I was going through papers, but there are other things I'm going to have to get rid of. So... The, the more painful partings, I think, are yet to come, because I haven't... There are things that I need to place before I let go of them, if that mm. makes any sense. So when you were asking me what's the most painful thing I had to get rid of, I haven't gotten through everything yet. And there are things in my mind that are not gone yet that are sort of on the block to go that just didn't immediately come to mind. So I have those things. That's that's good. <laughs> My, uh, the two things I'm thinking of right now that I'm going to have to get rid of, probably, are my uh, most of my Ninja Turtle action figures and the turtle van, which is still in its box, and my uh, creepy crawler oven. Oh, is that going to, like, get you some loot or something? I don't know. I don't... Selling things is not something I enjoy at all. Mm. So I don't really know how I would have the energy to figure out if I'm making a good deal or how to, you know, send it away to somebody or sell it on eBay. So I might just have to take it to a, a flea market or give it to somebody in my family. But, um, if but you, those are important. If you take it to a flea market, will you, like, bargain with the different booths or something? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I've, I've asked a friend who's a flea market, like... Uh, master and he says that sometimes there are swap spaces uh -huh. where you can you don't have to buy a table but you can go and kind of show vendors who have spaces there what you have and they may buy stuff from you then mm. but we'll have to see that turtle van though I know I know but I loved it and I have memories of it and I have pictures of it and right now it's just taking up space and it's not being used so oh and it's Okay, not like it's unopened, but it's just back in the box. Right. I have its box, is what I'm saying. Cool. The turtle van box with the turtle van in it. Cool. Patrons, are you in the market for a new car? <laughs> are you interested in a, a worn but well-loved turtle van? You can write it off as a tax deduction. No. <laughs> I was like thinking of all those NPR commercials of like, donate your car. Anyway. 1-800-CARS-FOR-KEYS. How do you know that? What? 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS? Cars for... Maybe it's nationwide. I don't know. That's very interesting to me because I did not know... So... That commercial, the Cars for Kids commercial, apparently has scarred so many Massachusetts residents. Mm. Uh, but I had never heard of it until I moved up here and people were trying to torment me with it. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. And they were like, you are so lucky. So that's just amazing to me that I, growing up elsewhere on the East Coast, never heard of it. But you, all the way in California, have. Yeah, they, they played that song a long time over here. Huh. Yeah. 
cars. Whoa. 1877 cars for glyphs. <laughs> yep. Nope. Are you a glyph or a key? Now I'm curious. It doesn't matter. Let's end this episode. <laughs> I can tell you the answer. Okay, tell me. I'm a glyph. Okay. Cool. Named Key. Okay. It's tough. Speaking of names. So it is cars for glyphs then. Cars for glyphs. Yeah. Or keys for glyphs. Give me those keys. Glyphs for kids. But yeah, speaking of names, the patrons who recommended tracks this week have names. And they were Chris Murray, aka Just a Punk, Octorox, Wicked Sephiroth, The Messenger, and Retro Nick. Thanks, guys, for giving us this week's set list. And also thanks, of course, to Electric Boogaloo for vetting our composer information in the press room. I want to give a very special thanks and shout out to a new enterprise by JT over at soundcloud.com slash VGM Karaoke Lounge. You can go there and check out whatever karaoke he can find that was on any VGM podcast. It's true. And actually, you know what? Yeah. We have a flyer for this, too. Oh, okay, great. So so, uh, at the end of the show, the patrons will get to hear that again. I just remembered that we have that. Oh, okay, cool. I'll just shut up then. No, 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 no. And thanks to everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions. Keep them coming. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com. Or... Send us an email at insertcoin at the vgmjukebox.com. Also, you can mail us some uh, physical objects and memories at the VGM Jukebox P.O. Box 26959, Los Angeles, California, 90026. You can follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want to follow us individually, Josh is at Josh Adachi again, and I am at Keyglyph. And we are, oh my gosh, such social butterflies on Twitter, don't you think? Oh yeah. We're just like doing this, doing that. Taking pictures of it all day long. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher. And remember to rate and review us at the iTunes store. Please, just do it. Just do it, dude. <laughs> uh, before we go on further, I did want to mention, because I didn't know if we were supposed to slot it in somewhere earlier in the episode, but... Um, in January, VGMJB is going to start a new release schedule, mm. a new mode. Mm, mm. We're going into a new mode. Right. Do we have another episode to say this in? I forget. Um, no, this no. is the last. No. So um, we'll explain it when we get there, patrons. What it means is we'll be releasing maybe one fewer episode a month or so. And uh, the format will change. Kind of like in the beginning when we did full episodes and dungeon episodes, we have a couple of different modes Mm -hmm. that we'll be going through. Um, So bear with us. It's a way to kind of reduce our workload a little bit, but still give you guys fun stuff to do most months of... Most most months. Most (laughs) Most weeks weeks of of the months. months. Most weeks of the months. Also, um, yeah, and by the way, that empty slot is going to be also open to different things that uh, patrons want to do. Right. Like thesis defense and stuff like that. Right. There'll be a blank week that may just be a week off or it may be something cool and special as those things come up. 
So also, to weigh in on this and other things, please join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash the VGM Jukebox. And uh, be sure to check out that bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music and video game and podcast related projects your fellow patrons are up to, including the karaoke lounge that we just teased. If you have something to put up on the bulletin board, let us know through Facebook or email and we'll get something set up for you. So, uh, so I'm curious, what have we been doing for this whole episode? Have we just been just cruising in our planes? We're just racking up points. Racking oh yeah, up that's points. right. Oh my God. Look at that score. It's insane. And now you are so good at this. Yeah, like our score and the high score are exactly the same. They're like synchronized numbers now. It's weird. Yeah, that's like really uh, pleasing when that happens. Oh my gosh, it's the best. So I think that means we like beat this game. Yeah, are we just in like extra mode at the end? We're just it just a- lets you play until you die. We're just in victory lap mode. Nice. So that means, yeah, when the new phase comes around in January, we'll be playing a whole new game, right? Yeah, we will. Because as soon as we die, we don't need to continue anymore. We have the high score. Right. We've seen the ending. (laughs) We did it. So we did it. (laughs) Yep. We just accomplished the arbitrary goal that we totally didn't just make up five seconds ago. Woohoo! All that leveling up. All that... Pixel perfect jumping. Oh yeah, I remember that. All that resource management. Yep. All, that, all those potions stolen. Yeah. All that um you know, bullet hell twitching. We did it. We beat the game. Yes. The most complicated right. <laughs> and uh encom- all encompassing game of all time. This is a lot of fun. We even had to just, like, eat pixels for a while. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Wow, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And the patrons did it with us. Oh, you know what? Yeah, but the rest of this month is not going to change. We have some weird stuff this month. Like the Christmas special episode, which is coming soon. Yep. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Get ready, everybody. All right. All right, well, did they? I guess uh, we should just see how high we can push the score, right? Yeah, I'm seeing some quarters on the screen. I guess somebody else wants to play this game. They're going to have to wait. They're calling next. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to wait until we die naturally, but, you know, they're calling <laughs> next. Yep. All right, well, we can just continue flying off into the sunset, I think. Um, yeah, let's just let everybody know who's watching us play this game and uh, listening to this show that uh, you mean so much to us. And you always will. Listeners, users, and patrons, this is JT, aka Jungle Toad, aka Jungle Plus any vegan food that starts with the letter T. I'm here with Hakama. Hello, Hakama. Hakama and I are proud to announce the BGM Karaoke Lounge. Are you tired of having to scrub back and rewind podcast episodes to hear your favorite BGM karaoke's again? 
Are you a BGM karaoke superstar who wishes there was a place where your karaoke's could be properly admired and adored? Well, look no further than the BGM Karaoke Lounge. Perfect. Hakama and I have created a SoundCloud page where we are hosting VGM karaoke's from the VGM jukebox and their dadcast, Legacy Music Hour. Come check us out at soundcloud.com slash VGM karaoke lounge. That's soundcloud.com slash VGM karaoke lounge. Right now, we're just getting started, but we're hoping to grow. But we need your support. If you've ever performed a VGM karaoke on the VGM Jukebox or the Legacy Music Hour and would like your performance to be archived in our new VGM Karaoke Lounge, please email the MP3 to me, along with any details you want uploaded with the track, such as track title, game, composer, lyrics, and episode you appeared on. Send your submissions to jungletoads at yahoo.com. That's jungletoads, plural, J-U-N-G-L-E-T-O-A-D-S at yahoo.com For those of you who just want to listen to the SoundCloud, again, that's soundcloud.com slash VGM Karaoke Lounge. And if you want your MP3s to be there, email me with description and images to jungletoads at yahoo.com Thank you for your creative contributions. Your audience awaits. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodnight, Hakuma. Bye-bye.